Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Still, no motive, no murder weapon, and no suspect as tensions mount in the small town of Moscow, Idaho. This, as we learn, according to the four student victims' families, one of the girls was the target. That is a huge break in this murder investigation. We also learn the families of the slain victims are actually hiring private investigators. This, as an eerie handprint emerges on the sliding glass door of the so-called murder house, we also understand the family is questioning were certain people ruled out as suspects way too soon. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. In my mind, evaluating this case, the possibility that, as we pointed out on day one, one of the girls specifically was targeted. If that's true, that is a watershed moment in this case. First of all, take a listen to this. Your daughter... And, and Maddie had different means or manner of, of attack, and that suggests one of them was targeted. Um, can you share with us, do you know, and you can't share either way, which one was targeted? I can't, I asked for permission to do just that, and they said no. Um, I probably over disclosed information that they wish I wouldn't have said, but this sto- the story's going mm-hmm. cold. There's less people coming to Moscow. Um, I'm not going to go sleep in my bed knowing that I could get up and I could go to town and I could I could do something. And I'm not going to go away. You're hearing our friend Pete Hegseth speaking on Fox News too. Kelly Gonzalez's father. Can you imagine that feeling? You're trying to find your daughter's killer grappling with her murder and suddenly everybody that seems interested at all in solving the case one by one, begin to leave town? With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. But before I go straight out to Stephanie Pagonis, crime reporter of Fox News Digital, I want you to hear one more thing from Kelly Gonzalez's dad. Take a listen to him speaking on Fox News. I'll cut to the chase. Yeah. Their means of death don't match. That is... They don't. And Kaylee's cause of death 
It does not match based on the autopsy report. They don't match. Would would indicate that one of them. He doesn't have to go up the the steps. Let's stop playing games, guys. I need somebody to step up and be an alpha. Be somebody to be a leader. Don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. He doesn't have to go up the steps. Their their, their points of damage don't match. I'm just going to say it. It wasn't leaked to me. I earned that. I paid for that funeral. I paid for that. It's my right. You ain't taking that from me. Calm down. If you don't want to say nothing, that's your bet. But don't say I'm leaking anything. I paid that bill. Sent my daughter to college to get an education. She came back in the box, and I can speak on that. You know, Stephanie Pagonis, hold on just one moment. I want to go to a special guest joining us, Ted Williams, former Washington, D.C. police detective, uh, defense lawyer, Fox News contributor, starred on Power of Attorney Ted that just gave me chills all the way down my body because I know you, like I have spoken to so many homicide victims, families, this dad and mom, you hear the mom going, calm down, calm down. He can't calm down. He's not getting any answers. He is beside himself. Nancy, he's frustrated and rightfully so. His child that he sent to college came back to him in a box. And uh, as your audience should understand, this is a very, very emotional scenario for that man. And when you look at the fact that they've talked about this targeted and then you get word from investigators, well, we don't know who the target was. Well, we don't know uh, if the house was targeted. This is a bunch of BS. Either you put out a, a legitimate story or you don't say a damn thing. And under the circumstances here, this father has a right to feel the way he does. And if you think about it for a second, if the killer or killers came through the sliding back glass door on the back of the home, he would have encountered both Ethan and zany in the on the second floor of that home if they were the target well he would have killed them and it's more likely than not that he would have been left but the killer or killers went up to that third floor where maddie and kaylee were sleeping together according to their father and they were killed on that second on that third floor The killer, I believe, had to have known something about that home. I believe that the killer has been, or killers, should we say, have been in that home before. When I heard, Ted, the pain and the anger and Mr. Gonzalez's voice, and I can just see the wife, because I've seen it so many times, the, the wife, you know, holding him by the arm going, calm down, calm down, calm down. Because she knows that when you get crazy and you're angry, the cops don't want to deal with you. They shut you down. But he can't help it. He's at his wit's end. I want to analyze what Ted just told us. And remember, former Washington, D.C. police detective, not only defense attorney, but detective, he's been on just as many homicide scenes as I have been, if not more. You know, Stephanie Pagone is joining me, crime reporter, Fox News Digital. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. We've been screaming from day one that somebody, most likely one of the girls, was targeted. And now we have reason to believe it was Gonsalves' daughter. Now, You just heard Ted lay out who was on what floor. Explain what he is saying and why it is so critical that the killer goes to the second floor, which kind of looks like the ground floor from one vantage point. There's two people there. They're killed. But he goes up another flight. He could not have gotten in on that third floor. He had to come in through the front door on one or the sliding glass door on two. But he went all the way up to three to continue killing. And there 
is where the other two girls were. Explain it, Stephanie. Absolutely. So first, I want to start by saying, as you said, Nancy, there are three stories in this building. On the top floor, the third floor, Kaylee and Maddie were sleeping in the same bed. On the second floor, Zana and Ethan were sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, on the, and on the bottom floor, there were two other roommates who survived these attacks and were not harmed. Now, as the father said, if this suspect did go through the middle floor, he would have had to have gone up the steps because there is no point of entry on the third floor. Mm -hmm. So as Ted just just explained, um, if the killer had chosen, or assuming the killer did go through the second floor, he or she could have you know, attacked Zana and Ethan and then left. But instead, the killer went upstairs to the third floor, again, where there is no point of entry. So that's why Mr. Gonzalez seems to be explaining that he thinks this was a deliberate move, not just something where a killer just went through the home and attacked anything he or she saw. Let's hear it from Steve Gonzalez one more time. This is our cut 102. Again, Steve is speaking with our friends at Fox. There's a couple things that tell me with common sense but um, I'm not a professional, so I want to specify that. But they've said the entry point was the slider or the window. It was in the middle floor. So to me, he doesn't have to go upstairs. His entry and exit are available without having to go upstairs or downstairs. Looks like he probably may have not gone downstairs. We don't know that for sure, but he obviously went upstairs. So I'm using logic that um, he chose to go up there when he didn't have to. Another thing, were the injuries significantly different on those two girls. And I'm talking about Maddie and Kelly. Since the killer made such a point to go up to the third floor, were their injuries more severe? Were they posed in any way? Were they, and when I say posing, I don't mean anything extravagant. I mean, were their faces covered up with a pillow? Uh, were there, were they unclothed? Were they moved in any way? That would also differentiate them from the other victims. Take a listen to our Cut 124, this is Jim Murray at Inside Edition. Published reports say that Kaylee was subjected to a more brutal attack than the other three victims. She was killed on the same bed along with her best friend, Madison Mogan. News Nation reporter Brian Anton is in Idaho covering the investigation. There's a number of different theories possible. Since her wounds were more significant than Maddie's, is it possible she was the target? Yes. Or is it possible that that she woke up and and was trying to fight back and that, that Maddie was the target? Thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, 
anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zin.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Straight out to forensic expert, founder of the Cold Case Research Institute. You can find her at coldcasecrimes.org. Cheryl McCollum. Jump in. Nancy, it depends to me on where the wounds were. So if the killer concentrated on her face, her neck, her chest, maybe even her breast, that's going to be very telling. So it's not just a matter of she had more stab wounds, but where those stab wounds are located could be very telling of this killer. You know, Stephanie Pagonis joining us, Fox News Digital. I understand all the wounds were in the torso area. Is that correct or no? You know, I'm not necessarily sure about that. It could be correct. But what I do know is that each of the victims were stabbed several times. Now, as we heard, Mr. Gonzalez explained that his daughter did mention that she was significantly injured here. But each of the victims showed signs not only of several stab wounds, but some of them also showed signs of fighting back. The medical examiner also said that um, investigators believed the victims were asleep when they were initially attacked. It's unclear, though, who woke up and who tried to defend themselves before they were ultimately killed. To you, Ted Williams joining us, former D.C. police detective, now defense attorney. We were told that the stab wounds were in the torso. But as Cheryl McCollum pointed out, if let's just hypothesize, um, if Kelly or Maddie's wounds were in the breasts or in any other area that would somehow give a psychological differentiation to their wounds, that would be significant. Do you know anything about that, Ted? Not a lot. The medical examiner has tried to speak out about where these wounds were. Hold on, friend. The coroner, she is not a medical doctor. And I was really surprised when she gave that interview right off the bat and started giving all these opinions that I would have thought the police would want to keep close to the vest. Do you remember that, Ted? I remember it, and and it surprised the living hell out of me, and you're absolutely right. But the information that was given, and let's just say for the purpose of our discussion Mm -hmm. here, that uh, Kaylee was the target. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is where investigators would have to start really significantly working backwards. But if they fought, if they did anything, uh, there may be some DNA that they will be able to develop or some physical evidence. If you are stabbing somebody, you have a knife, there's a great deal of blood and your hand, if you're stabbing somebody, you have the knife in your hand. There's always a possibility that you could slip within the blood. And I hate to sound so gory about this, but you could slip into the blood and you could uh, cut yourself with the knife. We know that this was a large knife that was used. From all indications, it appears as though one knife, that's all we've heard about, that was used on four of the victims. Uh, so, and, and the only thing I hate is this misinformation about it may have been a military knife or this kind of a knife. All we know is that it was a large knife. It could uh, very well been a butcher knife. Yes, anything that's fixed blade, you're absolutely right. Okay, guys, I hope you're sitting down. Here he comes. Dale Carson, high-profile lawyer out of Jacksonville, but more importantly, for my purposes, former Fed with the FBI as an agent, former cop, Dale Carson. Okay, Dale, let's have it. All right, look, from my perspective, there are two ways this could have gone down, and I think it's fairly clear from the evidence. 
someone either came in on the second floor or someone came in on the first floor. If the timings are not right and the police are not letting go with the information about why they know, how they know when people returned home. Now, the people on the first floor returned at about 1 a.m. So did they hear people go up the steps to the second floor? Is that how they know what time? And if that's the case. No, no, no. Del Carson, no. Some of the, one of the girls was on the phone, wasn't it at uh, 2.52 a.m.? So we know the murders were after 2.52 a.m. And I can guarantee you, guarantee you, that's a technical legal word, that if they had heard somebody creeping up and down the stairs, they would have done something. They were asleep in their beds when they were attacked. They didn't hear a thing. Not creeping. Okay, walking. People on the second floor could have let someone into the property. And that person could have been in there waiting for the other people to come to the top floor. Okay, well, there's a unique theory that they let the killer in. Um, Guys, we are talking about the possibility that one of these girls was the victim. And according to reports, Kelly Gonsalves had injuries that were different from the other injuries, maybe simply more brutal. Stephanie Begonis, are you getting any sense of how her injuries were different? Police have even mentioned that the family, that they are not even communicating with the family in the sense that the family is getting information elsewhere. Yeah, we know about all the family's frustration, and I don't blame them. The family is now convinced they're doing the right thing by hiring a private investigator. No, no, no. Take a listen to our cut 118, Steve and Christy Gonzalez. Somebody isn't communicating. There's nothing being released. It seems like they're they're trying to suppress the story. We want to put rewards out there like, don't do that. Yeah, I get it. Your town doesn't want to have reward posters posted all over when you come and you do your rush. You're not going to get a lot of students if they see those things. But this community is not going to heal until this guy's pulled off the streets. It ain't going to happen. Think it through. It's not going to happen. He has to be off the streets. We all are working for the same thing. And more from Steve Gonsalves. Listen. We know that this is getting three weeks in and it's starting to get... We don't want it to go cold. Um, we're, we're reaching out. I reach out to uh, friends down in California today that have uh, connections that we're hoping to get, raise some money to get a reward, to get a private investigator. Um, third party. Third party. Why, why go the private route? Do y'all worry that at the end of this week that this case may be cold? We're, we're scared. When you we're tell scared. me you don't want a, 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 a photo up there with the reward offering information, that kind of sounds like you're trying to like suppress the story. I mean, why do you not need help? But hey, I could be wrong. And you officers, I apologize if I'm wrong. Yeah, I want to please forgive me. Please forgive me. But if but if you don't have the information, people do know if they don't. Okay, joining me right now, uh, renowned private investigator Robert Crispin, former federal task force with the Department of Justice, also with the DEA in Miami. Never lack of business there. Former homicide detective. Now. Founder of Crispin Special Investigations at CrispinInvestigations.com. Robert, I think I heard Dale Carson moaning in the background, groaning, don't do it, don't hire hire a PI. But if the family is feeling, oh, that was Ted Williams groaning, okay. Um, if the family feels like they got to hire a PI, whose fault is that? They're not getting information from the cops. So listen, he's not wrong in saying no, no, no. However, I disagree with both of you. There's a reason to hire an investigator and there's a host of reasons not to hire an investigator. The reason the family wants to bring in an investigator is because they're not getting anything from law enforcement. Okay. That's intentional. And you know, Mr. Williams will tell you, as I'll tell you in a case of this magnitude or during a homicide investigation, you got to shut your mouth. Way too much information has been released on this, the method, the types of injuries, the weapon used. So when they do catch somebody. Most, a lot of that information came from the coroner, not the family. It did. And that never, it never should have happened. It never should have happened. But here's, here's a good part 
about hiring an investigator. Once that crime scene, the right investigator, someone with experience, and I think Mr. Williams will tell you this, once that crime scene has been released and the last law enforcement boot is out the door and it's been turned back over to the owner, the first boots that are going in is a guy like me or a guy like Mr. Williams because crime scenes talk to you. As soon as you step in the door, that crime scene wants to tell you what happened. And it's going to tell you from the appearance of the crime scene, the damage, what's been cut out by law enforcement. Is there, you know, is the mattress gone? Is there a large section of the carpet gone? Are there holes in the wall? It, it just, it tells you how this happened. And systematically, the trained investigator can go through and he can tell you, I think this is how it happened. Did they kill him on the first, on the second floor first, or did they kill him on the third floor first? Well, we really don't know that, although everyone's telling us that. But you know what's going to tell us? The crime scene's going to tell us. Because if they killed him on the second floor first, we got bloody footprints going upstairs. If we got bloody footprints coming downstairs, then we know that the top one happened first. So what I'm, the point I'm trying to tell you is the crime scene does tell you who did it. You just need to get in there. Now, I'd like to know... What is law enforcement's victim advocate union to corral these victims and get them in and talk to them? I don't really like the way you said corral, like they're a bunch of livestock to be herded into a I, fence. I, I mean to get the family in and talk to them and keep them under wraps and explain to them, listen, we want to tell you certain things. But if I tell you this and victims emotions run away and they're not law enforcement. The emotions will run and they talk. If a specific fact gets out, because when they catch this person, they're going to get a ton more evidence. Cheryl McCollum joining me. I, I disagree with both Ted Williams and Robert Crispin because I'm hearing the anger and the frustration and the hurt and the murder victims' families' voices. When I, every time I hear Steve Gonzalez, I, I wince. And I've been there. I've been the murder victim's family. And when you don't know what's going on, it's terrible. The first, and you were with me, Cheryl. The first thing I would do is find the victim's family, find them at their home, in their backyard, at their office. I'd wait at their car till they came out, get them, explain to them what's happening. You don't have to give away all of your evidence. But when they have questions, you need to feel them as best as you can. You don't need them having to go, and I don't fault the victim's family, having to go on national TV to try to get answers. That is not right, Cheryl. There is no excuse in not communicating. They should talk to these families every single day. That should be the first thing they do when they get to their desk. Here's what I've got today. This is what I'm doing. I will call you with any updates I can give you. At their desk? Cheryl, when you are dealing with a case like this, you get in your car and you go to them. Of course. And see them face to face. Nancy, you're, you've got a department of only 35 people. They have got over 2,000 tips. They yeah. are so out of their league. They need help. So what I'm saying is if they get to their desk and they, they're running through their day and their to-do list... The first thing they should do is reach out to that family, period, period. Wait, 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 wait please. I don't mean to interrupt, but I got to. Look, there, uh, Robert is right. There is a difference being between law enforcement establishing a rapport with a family and keeping that rapport and the protection of an investigation. Law enforcement do not. Do not, under any circumstance, have to tell a family everything mm-hmm. that's going on or most of what's going on. They Nancy, let me jump in. The family informed. I don't have a problem with that. But Robert is right. Uh, you bring in a private investigator. Well, why can't both of you be right? Why can't we all agree that this family has been unattended? They're not getting the contact with the cops they need, and they're having to go on national TV to try to get answers. There is a medium between meeting with the family and spilling the whole case and not meeting with the family at all. Nancy, what's going on here is you've got some investigators, and Cheryl is right. They're inexperienced in this kind of investigation. They haven't had a homicide out there for the last 
seven years. I know. So, so, so they are very much inexperienced. Okay, you know what you're reminding me of, Ted? You and Crispin, you're reminding me of my husband. Karen Stark with me, uh, renowned psychologist joining us out in New York. KarenStark.com. That's Karen with a C. Karen. David drives like a 95-year-old grandma, okay? And he'll be going about literally 18 miles an hour. I put him on ways to see how slowly he's going. I'm like, can you speed up for Pete's sake? before I, my head blows off. He goes, well, I don't want to run down those children. I'm like, isn't there a happy medium? Can you go 30 miles an hour and not run over the children on the sidewalk? Is there a, a middle ground here? And I think that's what we're saying, Karen. You don't have to open up all your files to the family in order to give them what they need. You need to have empathy for the family. It's really essential. I mean, you know what it's like to be a victim. These people need to be in touch. They need to, they have to walk, I get it. They need to walk a very narrow line, but they have to be able to let them know what's going on. If they are inexperienced, right? then they need to have other people. Guys, hold on, wait a minute. I'm getting some information right now. We've got to address, and it is about a stalker. Go to 123, our friends at KREM, very quickly. Investigators say they looked into an incident in mid-October, which is where they believe the stalker claims originated that Kaylee made to friends. Now, according to police, Kaylee was at an unidentified local business. Two men were seen inside attempting to pick up women. One of those men appeared to follow Kaylee out to her car, but did not make any contact with her, according to police. Investigators say both men have been investigated and cleared as suspects. And also, take a listen to 114, our friends at Fox. The fact that no one's going to reveal themselves so far as being potentially the, the person who was going after it means that maybe there was something that went on some time ago. It doesn't mean that it happened that night or a week or two before. Mm-hmm. But I've seen cases post my FBI experience where it's been two years when someone has come back and who've been felt disenfranchised or in some way, anyway, dissed. And, and harbored that resentment, harbored that feeling, and then came back and committed uh, committed killing. So it is possible that this is something that, uh, that's why it may be more difficult for police to find out yeah. who the suspect is. It could be further back in the past and very nuanced and very kind of veiled only in the killer's mind. So Stephanie Pagan is joining us from Fox News Digital. What can you tell me about an alleged stalker? Well, so interestingly enough, this is something that Kaylee supposedly even mentioned to her own father that she felt as though she might have had a stalker or she made some sort of comments about her feelings that she might have had one. Now, this is something that police have questioned many people about, they say. And up until just yesterday, they had not disclosed any additional details. Just yesterday, police said they think they might have learned what Kaylee was possibly referring to. Police okay, what was it? The police said in mid-October, two men were seen inside a local business in Moscow. Apparently, one of the men appeared to be following Kaylee inside the business and after she left that business. Um, the male then stopped, stopped following her and he didn't appear to make any contact with her. But police said that when they did speak to both men, they learned that they were trying to meet women at the business. Police said they were able to cor- corroborate this and they have not found any evidence to suggest that either of the men was involved in these murders so far. Okay, question. Do we know what business it was? I have heard that it was a local grocery store, but unfortunately, I don't have more beyond that at this moment. Okay, how does that factor in, Ted Williams? Well, it, uh, it's uh, another lead that you have to follow up on and you have to rule out. They, they, it, it, it's interesting about this stalking, I've always believed that uh, it is not uh, a part of this investigation, but it's lead. Every lead, every lead has to be followed up on. And this is just another lead that was followed up on, this stalking lead, and it uh, appears to be going nowhere. But again, Nancy, what I want to say, and I think our guests understand, we've got a lot of inexperienced individuals in this investigation. I know the FBI is involved. I know that the Idaho State Police is involved. But we have a lot of inexperienced people running this investigation, and that is very concerning to me. Well, what about the idea of the stalker, Cheryl McCollum? Because it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, and here's where it's got some legs for me. Her dad believes it. She stated it. 
to more than one person. And she was only there to show her new friend her car. I mean, her friend, her new car. She wasn't supposed to be there. And this person that murdered these four people took an extra step to go upstairs. He didn't go to the basement. So it looks to me like everything is pointing to Kaylee being the target. And if she made that statement and she sold her other car and put on there that she was moving across the country, she gave some information out. So if somebody wanted to stop her from leaving, they could do just that. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible is Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen Nicotine Pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Straight out to Cheryl McCollum, Cold Case Research Institute. Jump in, Cheryl. One thing I haven't heard anybody mention is whether or not the killer took souvenirs or a souvenir. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is when you're doing a victimology, the person that could best help law enforcement here was also murdered. And that's each other's best friend. Getting back to the P.I., here's the reason a P.I. might be really good in this case. Locating witnesses. Sometimes people will speak to a civilian when they will not speak to law enforcement. Locating video and searching social media, a 35-member department cannot tackle a quadruple homicide by themselves. You know, uh, I've got some of my guests talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're saying, don't hire a PI, and they're saying there's not enough cops. And I want to follow up what Cheryl McCollum just said. Cheryl, you remember that big arson murder I tried right before I left the DA's office to go to court TV? Oh, yes. That case was overwhelming, and then I found an incredible resource. It was the insurance company's private investigator. That guy had worked this case just as hard as the arson investigators, and he had a wealth of information that my investigators didn't have, not because they were flat-footed or stupid or lazy, 
He just had additional resources they didn't have. And I got Amen. a treasure trove of information from that arson private investigator for the insurance company. So I say take all the info you can get. I hear somebody jumping in. Is it Dale or Ted? You don't want the de- detect in- private investigators to interfere with an already very, very complex case. That's the problem. And when you only have 35 members on a department, you can't devote an individual detective or officer to each of the families. I didn't ask for that. But what we're saying here is, look, right now we don't have any big suspect. None. None. So that means that it could be someone close to the family. We don't know the answer to those questions. And your point is? Well, it's simply... You got to wait until the detectives who do have access to all of the information have an opportunity to analyze it. Well, you know what, Dale Carson, you can sit up in your ivory tower at your 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 penthouse suite you've got there, meeting clients in your leather chair, blah blah blah. But these families are suffering, and unless the police speak to them and handle them with kid gloves and feed them enough information that they understand this case is on track, you're going to have them hiring PIs and spouting information on the airwaves because they don't know what else to do. They got their backs in a corner. No, I I understand the frustration of the families, but the families are not running a criminal investigation. I didn't say they were. They're not the victims. You you got the victims. The victims are dead. The victims are dead. And in order to get justice for them, everybody needs to quiet down Mm -hmm. and let the police do whatever work they can do. Absolutely. And to interfere with that is just insanity. Okay. Bill is right, though, Nancy. You cannot, uh, but you got, look, there are two aspects of this case. There is the catch the killer of Mm -hmm. killers. And the second aspect is the successful prosecution of the killer, mm-hmm. killer. and what uh, a, a private investigator at this stage could interfere with that process. The, and also think about it. The private investigator is not going to have access to the evidence. The uh, police are not going to be talking and giving the private investigator information. Yeah. I do agree with everyone here that the family needs to be are kept in the loop as best you can. Well, that is not happening. Okay, everybody pipe down. Karen Stark wants in. Karen, it better be profound. Go. Just not happen. It doesn't make any sense. This is a mixed message that they're inexperienced. They don't know what they're doing, and yet we shouldn't have more people in trying to help them Amen, out. sister. That doesn't make any sense. Wait they a minute. You've got the Idaho. You have the Idaho State Police involved you've got the fbi i know so i don't know why you're screaming there's not enough cops so there are enough cops what is a private investigator gonna do i do not know we'll let him figure that out because like i just told you you, please yeah help me out here man throw me a bone i can tell you exactly what a private investigator is going to do at this stage He's going to jeopardize the entire investigation. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. Yes. Everything yes. that law enforcement has done. Because, Mm-mm. Nancy, Absolutely. tell you, yeah, but there's you know one thing you've read the interviews, and Ron will tell you, you get one shot at these interviews. One shot. And yeah, but there is something a private investigator can do. There is something that they can do. What? And that's to create the nexus between law enforcement and the family. They can demonstrate to the family Here's the things that they are doing, and they don't even have to have the information. We as old private investigators know certain things are going to transpire, and if you communicate that to the family, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay. Jackie, I I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to cut everybody's mic. Cheryl McCollum, I just want to point out that on all the cases I prosecuted, I never had someone hire a family, victim's family, hire a private investigator. Absolutely not. And you know why? Because they were with me lockstep every bit of the way. And no, I did not give them the whole file. And that thought never even occurred to me to give them the whole file or to tell them everything. But if they had asked me, I would have tried to tell them without jeopardizing 
the investigation. Or you would simply explain why I can't tell you. Exactly. That's easily explained. But I'll tell you something, Nancy. Again, you are talking about a small department and they in a, are over their head. But I want to point out one more thing, not just private investigators, but law enforcement use CIs all the time. They use civilians. And the problem when you bring in the state confidential police, informants is what she's saying. And, and here's the thing. When you bring in the state police to a place like Moscow, they don't work that area. If this guy's in plain sight, which I believe he is, I believe he's a local. I believe he's right there. They don't know the rhythm of that community. Hey, hey, Cheryl. Yes. Can you open up everybody's mic? Uh, this is important, guys. Number one, the family says that cops are clearing people too quickly. Let's hear Cut 105. This is Kelly's dad at Fox News. Alibis. Just share the alibi. If you're not sharing an alibi, to me, it tells me that you're not 100% confident that it's going to stick or you have somebody who's going to come forward and say, hey, I don't know what he told you or, or that person's alibi was, but I have this information. I have something. So if you don't share the alibi, it, it makes it a little bit harder for us to just let those go. And, and I've said it before. I don't. I don't want to make victims out of just bystanders and witnesses. So, I just share those things, and um, that that would help. No, no, no. You don't go sharing alibis. No, you do not share alibis. None of these people are actually clear. I agree with that. They, yeah, they may be clearing always, these people uh, if there's for other a evidence that come in. They will continue to be suspects or people of interest. But it's driven by the evidence. You don't go to the family and tell the family this is what they said and he said and she said. That is not the way you conduct an investigation. I got to agree with you on that, Ted Williams. Stephanie Pagonis, I was struck by a photo that my producer, where Sydney's, there's Sydney, showed me the other day. It's a picture of Ethan, actually, the victim, Ethan, and he is sitting, Ethan Chapin, he's sitting in the Sigma Chi house, and it's not just him, but he's sitting, and behind him is a window beside him, and right through the window, you can look directly into the murder house. I don't think people understand that you can look right into the girls' windows from the Sigma Chi house. Not only can you see it directly from there, Nancy, but students frequently even walk this path. They will walk from an area behind the crime scene over to an area near the fraternity house. And I believe it's something students frequently do because I've been told from students there that... It's called a cut. Yes. Shortcut. Exactly. And you can see when there's not any snow where the grass is just dead. There's no grass there because people take the cut so many times. Highly, highly significant. Crispin, why is it so important? I mean, I've often learned that killers covet what they see. And you could see these girls right through their sliding glass door. I mean, I, listen, he, he didn't go inside there wondering if the blinds were closed. You know, he just went in there on a rage and did what he did. And when he left, I guarantee you, he took a lot of evidence with him and he left a lot of evidence. He left his fingerprints. I guarantee you, he left his blood. Mm-hmm. He left his footprints. Mm-hmm. He left a fingerprint, a palm print. He left something. Every criminal who commits a homicide leaves something or takes something. Agree or disagree, Del Carson? Look, there's no question that when two crime scenes, a, a bad criminal interfaces with a crime scene, they leave something, they take something away. But that's months away. What you've just pointed out and what Cheryl's pointed out is that those open windows allow an assailant to watch them over time. And this assailant may have known that Kaylee was leaving. So he wouldn't have another opportunity to interface with her. And it probably really frustrated him. And today you can use optics to enhance the view. So I would be curious, does anybody have optics that are sufficient to magnify those images and store those images, which is what serial perpetrators do and sex offenders. Okay, Cheryl. Well, I would break this down this way. You've got one house. That's a crime scene. Two bedrooms that are crime scenes. And then four bodies that are crime scenes. And that's how I would have worked this thing. So you work your way out and in to each individual person. There is no way it is not going to be clear who was killed first. I would have swabbed every you know, stab wound, you would know just like Jeffrey McDonald. 
if you've got different, you know, blood types, that knife is going to go from victim one to victim two. That means victim two's got victim one and victim two's blood. Victim three would have victim one, victim two, you know, victim three blood, and et cetera. They're going to know. They're going to be able to piece this together. We've had a month, and we've got to give them a little more time. This is a ton of information to go through. When you start talking about videotapes and victimology and the fraternities and sororities and classes and where they worked and their families and their exes, this is a ton to go through. Just social media would be somebody's full-time job on this thing. Karen Stark? I think that it's really important, as we keep saying, to have those families in touch with and know that it's being worked on, to find a way to communicate with them, because it does take time, Cheryl's right, and they need to know that this is something that's important, really important, like you said, Nancy. Ted Williams, final thought. I agree with both of your guests that uh, we have to continue to look at this in a broad perspective. You've got to keep the parents engaged. There is always a possibility that the parents know something or nugget about the killer. Uh, I still believe that the killer had been, you know, killers, should we say, have been in that uh, uh, house before. I don't think this was the first time, their first rodeo in that house. And when I say rodeo, I'm not being... Uh, I'm very ever mindful that four college students died in that home, unfortunately. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.